Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, Hallie tells us about cunning folk. Before there were witches, there were cunning folk, healers and wise people who in some cases practiced magic and others didn't. Some cases were used to defend against black magic and others considered just as bad as witches. As always, be prepared for foul language and let's get ready for another Human Exception. solid there we go we're good 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 all right i will say at the top of this before i cut myself off with audacity because i'm talented um i always seem to find the weird things that i get to quote directly out loud so if you all would like to learn how to summon demons we're gonna learn hell yeah All right, so let's do some um, short history of cunning folk, mostly focused on Scandinavia uh, for many reasons. But as I was reading into this, I went, oof, there's a lot here split dynamically between Scandinavia and then, like, South America. So (laughs) it's like, well, let's just... Let's uh let's let's do this here. So cunning folk, are either of you familiar with the term? Vaguely familiar, just because I had to do a Google for the website. (laughs) Yes, yeah, that's that's fair. I I think I've seen it and goodness knows if it was a book or a freaking like video game. I don't know. Who knows, right, where I had originally seen this pop up. Um but I recognized the term when I ran across it during research that I was doing over the holidays. So that would have been the end of 2022 for the novel that I'm finishing up right now. And because librarian brain doesn't stop, I was like, oh, this is going to be really interesting. I need to put all of this over here for a hex episode later, because otherwise this will be the whole book. (laughs) That's not what we want. So, at least not for this one. It's already too long. Um, so I knew I knew a little bit, but I had only again like a like a uh, an encyclopedia entry kind of knowledge of it, right? Um, it's really interesting though because prior to witchcraft being a thing that was labeled as evil and that we need to drown and hang um, largely women for um it it was it's the same thing kind of in a lot of ways as as witchcraft it's not out of bounds to kind of glance at it and go oh cunning folk were just witches prior to bigotry cool yeah it just seems to be a different branding campaign <laughs> yeah it, yeah there's some marketing dollars behind the witchcraft they had the church behind them so there's definitely money there um uh and probably the blood sacrifices they accused witches doing so um the <laughs> well, what was really interesting to me is that 
when I started looking, I was like, oh, well, Europe. Well, so much is written about uh, witchcraft. Let me go back a little bit. Largely comes out of like Great Britain or Ireland. Mm, Britain is actually not studied very often when it comes to cunning folk. Um, partially because some of that history. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was burned. <laughs> some of that history was burned. Um, and persecuting witches in the name of God and all that. Um, but it's still fairly scarce as far as the the scholarship that's been done on it in a large swath of Europe. Um, and unfortunately, what little bit I did find outside of Scandinavia is largely locked behind database paywalls. So, yay. Well, that's bullshit. It's great. Yeah, it is a bullshit. Um, but from what I could kind of tell, you know, it's clear that scholars first tended to use that label in a lot of different ways so we'll get into that too but i just kind of i was curious so i bumped into it and i was like all right these people were largely known as they were the the local healer that's about as as like giant broad scrape across you know <laughs> centuries of history that i can make um, but there was a good quote here from an academic, um, Judith Bonsall, in a paper that she wrote that was actually really interesting. Um, the subtitle on it was, or the whole title, sorry, I thought I only had the subtitle. It's The Death of the Fifth Earl of Derby, Cunning Folk and Medicine in Early Modern England. And that kind of led me down um, this other path. But she was saying that, quote, their antecedents trace back at least as far as the Anglo-Saxons. They offered to tell fortunes, find or, or find lost or stolen objects and buried treasure, and create love potions, magical solutions to problems that people encountered in daily life, and were sought for their healing powers at times of crisis. Through magic, they fulfilled a need in the community that was not being met elsewhere. Which is something we will often see quite a lot. It's It was... um. It was really interesting because the first ones have been documented using their services to thwart witchcraft. Hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Um, according to that same article, there's documentation of hit cunning folks somewhere in the record uh, dating even further back than the Middle Ages in Europe, but a lot of the scholarship that we see around them is from like middle ages to 20th century and still up through the 20th century you could occasionally find a, a cunning folk of some manner uh in um, in like really small towns or villages that were fairly isolated this would have been before the advent of the internet but in the early 20th century they did still exist it feels like we've made so much progress, and then you look at the last century and you go, oh, pigs used to run around in New York City a hundred years ago. <laughs> I think we've I think we're we're doing okay. <laughs> I think I think we've gone backwards. We've got pigs are <laughs> no longer running around in New York City. Twenty thousand of them. <laughs> at Still, <one> backwards. Point. <laughs> Still backwards. Still backwards. <laughs> With the teeth. <laughs> And they don't occasionally mind eating bodies. Doesn't matter what dead bodies, they'll eat them. Horrifying. Everything Anyways, is sustenance. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had to research that too. I wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why did I do this to myself? All right, so it's time for me to completely mispronounce a bunch of um, uh, names <laughs> for 
these folk healers and magic workers around Europe. I apologize to anyone who speaks these languages. I don't know what dialect I'm speaking this in because I'm not speaking it. I'm just trying to American my way through these words. I'm so sorry. Um, so the Danish had people they called wise folk or kluge folk. The Dutch were, I'm not even going to try to pronounce. It's a Dutch word. Forget that. <laughs> That's got a lot of V's and K's in it. Um, Oh my gosh. Uh, another, okay. So the other word for them, they had one that was uh, magic doctors, and then there was one that loosely translates to devil banners. So it's uh, dwevil banners. That's interesting. I like that, actually. <laughs> um, the Finnish people had them, the French had their soothsayers and their curse lifters, the Germans had their hexenmeisters. Um, or their herb witches, uh, the Irish had their women of knowledge. They're, again, I'm sorry to the Celtic people, I don't understand how your words work. Um, <laughs> the Italians had actually several different names, including one that loosely translates to good walkers, which is Benandante, um, or Dante, sorry, which I thought was really interesting. Good it was walkers. a little different. Like good that. walkers, yeah, yeah. Portuguese had their women of, of virtue, of virtue, cannot even speak English. I'm going to try that again. Uh, the Mujeres de Virtude, um, the Slavic people had people who they called warlocks. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Swedish had their wise old men and women. So it's, it's like all over the place as far as kind of these, these different terms that are being used. And I really dig the ones that are like woman of knowledge or fixers it's like fixers <laughs> yes this is good <laughs> fix a curse fix a broken bone deliver a baby go home and sleep it's all in the same like <laughs> you know um so yeah the with all of these names we only really have a little bit of history from most of these countries again unless there is some real deep niche expert out there on the slavic warlocks i would love to know who you are because that's got to be talk really to cool us. yeah and interesting like come talk to us but it's it really is pretty um pretty thin in a lot of spots um so cunning folk was often used in all these ways folk healers herbalists midwives um they could usually make simple herbal solutions but sometimes cunning folk or people who claimed to be them uh, got away with a little bit of shysting and charlatan trickery. Uh, there are, have always existed snake oil salesmen. We've just called them different things. <laughs> and cunning folk definitely had theirs. And then uh, eventually that word did translate or cunning folk in the eyes of the so very godly clerics of the Church of England, would eventually come around to calling them witches. Um, so they were a little bit of all of those things, and then sometimes none of those things. I really want to emphasize that everything that I could tell was that cunning folk were, by and large, helpful members of their community who made little herbal like poultices and solutions, and they delivered babies, while some of them though quite uh, a few up until the industrialization of medicine in the 18th and 19th centuries did con people. And that really started to pop out around that time. Um, 
Some of them did call themselves witches. There's no um, homogenous way of kind of looking at them. So we really only have these different examples through history to view um, how they operated in their communities. Um, cunning folk were believed to have their own kind of power, but it was really built upon that power of belief and trust of their family and their friends and their neighbors. And that was considered its own kind of sacred bond between whoever was doing the herbalism and whoever was in taking in the herbalism. So it's a doctor-patient thing, I guess, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm leaning into it that way. <laughs> so when I was, I guess, I don't know. It, this was so interesting and something that I wish I had had the proper time and, like, resources to really dig into because it is fascinating. So... Um, like I said, I came across this when I was uh, reading up on witchcraft and the occult and all that jazz for this novel, and that's because one of my main characters, Aubrey, comes from this family of French cunning folk. I flip it around in the name of fantasy fiction from there, but, you know, that concept is still very real. Um, so when we look at certain parts of Scandinavia... Oh, where are my pictures? Here we go, here we go, here we go. I have I have visual aids. Hold on a second. I had it pulled up and then it was like, no, not you. So this is uh, a part of a, actually a, I believe a Spanish spell book that we'll talk about here in a little bit. There's fireworks. I apologize for that. Not hearing anything, so you should be good. Oh, good. Thank goodness. And here is, uh, is I believe, a Danish version of something very similar that we'll talk about the Cyprianus in a minute. Um, <laughs> That's so, a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I would. I thought I would give the visual aid a little bit ahead of time because it's a little disturbing, <laughs> and it made me laugh. Um, okay, so Norwegian and Danish cunning folk uh, were studied really closely by a handful of scholars, um, particularly we when they were looking into people called the wise ones, right? So they were these midwives and healers, but they were also lumped in with advisors, like the elder members of the community. It's interesting because the name did change across Scandinavia based on language, of course, but the purpose was so similar. So it's like, ah, yes, one of those like giant general concepts that humanity <laughs> likes to likes to huddle around the fire and, you know, watch the shadows on the wall and go, oh, yes, our healers, we always need one of those because people get sick and die and fall. And you have to have somebody who at least doesn't run from the room screaming. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, 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 I just skipped the thing. Here we go. So what you have in examples of are um, this, like, cunning folks book of spells and recipes and traditional knowledge which i thought was kind of a really cool thing it's like oh okay i'm not passing down you know grandma's recipe book i'm passing down my book of spells <laughs> nice to someone else 
Recipe book, spells, same spell thing. book, tomato, tomato, war, you, know. you know, whatever. <laughs> exactly. We could call it a black book. Um, the name of this is its own journey. Um, so Norwegian and Danish cunning folk uh, often had copies of this thing called the, uh, I'm going to butcher it, Svartebak, black book. And if you follow that all the way back, this is where I rabbit hold myself. Um, many scholar, or many people at the time thought that the original black book, there has to be an original somewhere, right? Uh, was actually authored by Cyprianus or Cyprian of Antioch. So it wasn't this singular book copied over and over again, as some people thought it was. It was the name given to this book of spells, but everybody thought it had an original origin. It's very strange. It's very weird. <laughs> so you have covers from two of them. Um, we actually have a translation of one. Oh, shit. That we'll talk about here in a second. Yeah, so we're going to learn how to summon demons. It's really fun. But I'm into it. Okay. <laughs> so when the history gets a little muddled, I figured I would just try to follow like the one path looking at why in the world did they all give these different books that serve the same kind of-ish purpose? Why did they call it the Cyprianus or the Cyprianus spellbook? How did Germans start calling it the Cyprianus as well. Like, it's really weird. It gets even weirder because there's a, it's almost like this, this thing has its own set of conspiracy theories. So you have Danish and Norwegian cunning folk who thought it was authored originally by Cyprianus, Cyprian of Antioch. The German cunning folk have their own version. That gets weirder because some in Germany, what would be Germany now, believe the book was actually the sixth and seventh books of the Bible or the books oh. of Moses for y'all playing Bible along. Um, I get, I failed on my pun cause I don't like puns and I tried and I failed. So sorry. Um, <laughs> they believe that. So that those books of Moses uh, were something that were left out of the old Testament by the educated. So the common folk would quote, not learn the knowledge held within the text, which is knowledge to heal. And if you can heal yourself, yeah, then you become, you have time to be educated. And then when you're educated, you can be rich. And then you take over some other rich person's spot. And oh no. I mean, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. would actually make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It made a lot of sense to me when I read that. I went, you might be on to something there. Uh, in other parts of Europe, uh, in other parts of Scandinavia, Cyprianus, this now mythical figure, uh, who's apparently done everything again and nothing all at the same time, um, was often seen as like a Faustian figure. So someone who learned magic through a deal with the devil. And I was like, Okay. Pop off, king. Whatever. Cool. Um, and then there's one story even way deeper down into these oddball conspiracy theories that people had about this book and this person who may or may not have written it. Um, that Cyprianus, learning all of this, he wound up being so evil that the devil threw him out of hell and he wrote the book to have his revenge. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> when the uh, devil's scared of you. 
back he comes with all of the sacred evil knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Uh, and then even weirder, a tale told in the printed Danish spell book that translates to old-time magic book, which is my favorite thing on the planet now. <laughs> Old, old-timey, old-timey magic book. That's so lazy. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so, it's, it is the best thing in the world. It's the best like, thing in the world, and they gender bend Cyprianus. That their book says that Cyprianus was a beautiful and pious nun from Mexico from the 14th century. She was then thrown into a dungeon where she rends her cloth and commits her magic knowledge to the rags written in her own blood. Her text was then found in an old castle. Damn, that's pretty metal. That's fucking hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> hardcore. Oh, so good. So it's a healing book. It's a bad book. It's a black book. It's a, a book that made a nun uh, rend her clothes and write on them in blood. Um, you know, good times. Uh, there are the genre of Christian metal started. <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, there are other tales that involve deals with the devil or summoning demons to learn spells. Summoning demons. Or perhaps ministers obtained copies of the book through their studies at universities. It is worth noting, interestingly enough, that ministers' wives often functioned as folk healers in their rural communities. So, conspiracy theory. I don't know, but I found it funny. Um, uh, uh, where is my thing? Here we go. I might have to throw this PDF into the drive for later so y'all can look at it, but you'll have to trust me when I say I am fortunately or unfortunately reading the spells correctly because the Cyprianus was, um, a version of it was uh, translated. So, or no, sorry, this was another book connected to it. I got ahead of myself there. We'll get there. <laughs> I got excited. Uh, so, summoning demons, learning spells, um, and the Cyprianus was, like any good grimoire, often said to be bound to its owner and hard to get rid of. You couldn't just like dump it in a lake or throw it in a fireplace, it would continue to exist, returning to its owner every single time. I may have borrowed that. I might have borrowed that. I'm just <laughs> saying. Because that's fun. Yes. We see that in D&D all the time, where it's like, God damn it, didn't I get rid of that thing? And it's like, nope, I'm right here, bitch. And it's still stuck on you. And you're like, what the I'm hell? I'm back. Yep, exactly. Sentient objects. You're fucking cursed, god damn yes. you. <laughs> exactly. Um, there were other people who believed that this magical, mystical Cyprianus um, was Saint Cyprian of Antioch, who wrote the original Black Book. And this is a saint that's honored in the Catholic Church. The Eastern Orthodox Church and Oriental or or Orthodoxy. Wow. And he's known by the title of the magician and he dealt in sorcery. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
So it's weirdly attached to the church, but the church didn't like cunning folk. And I was like, how did that happen? Did you all like fly a white flag for a moment or what happened? That's so bizarre to me. Uh, there there are is also, yeah. So many things where the church was like, okay, we're okay with this happening. And then it right. got really popular. And they're like, oh, oh no, 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 yeah. no, 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 we're not Fire okay out. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. I just, I don't, I don't, he's literally called the magician. And I was like, yo, okay. <laughs> it broke my brain a little bit when I read it. <laughs> Fair. There is also this great book of St. Cyprian, which is not the same as the Cyprianus in Scandinavia, the book. This one refers to different grimoires from the 17th, 18th, and 19th century who are all falsely attributed to the 3rd century St. Cyprian. Mm -hmm. Mm. It was so popular, it traveled halfway across the world. Several centuries apart. Take that, Bible. (laughs) So, yeah, exactly. You took it. So what you have in the the Spanish San Cipriano, you have a, a... copy of one of the covers there which is just why is there always a big owl there's always like a because wisdom okay even though they're dumb as fuck (laughs) yep yeah yeah no okay um this great book of saint cyprian it comes from popular legend in iberia and spain and portugal which then went across the ocean um, the book is very different depending on local legend and history, even on like the micro like scale, like village to village. It was a whole thing that I was like, I cannot even begin to get into this. <laughs> Otherwise, it's an entire paper and people have already written them. I just need to read them. So don't need to do that. Um, and then we have this uh, thing called the Black Book of Elverum. Elverum. The Black Book of Elverum. That's good. Yes. It is part of the Scandinavian Cyprianus. And this author back in 1999, that's when the book came out. I'm sure she was working on it for much longer than that. Um, Her name is Mary Rustad. And she came across a few copies of this particular Cyprianus, this Black Book of Elverum. In the 1990s, it's a Norwegian book that reveals the struggles of peasants and common folk, cunning folk included, as they dealt with everyday life. Everything from how they farmed, fished, hunted, and went to war, to what they thought about ghosts, witches, and the supernatural. It is kind of wild. Um, The pages are filled with remedies that cunning folk would, uh, you know, make up and and give to people for problems like lice, bed bugs, and infections. There are spells to help track down missing and or stolen items. Peasants were, of course, very poor, and even losing a single cow could be devastating, for example. And interestingly enough, the book also features formulas for punishing thieves, such as poking out their eye, which is something that goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. One. Abracadabra, there goes your eye. (laughs) (laughs) I I imagine there's some, like, hand motion to make it look, 
you know, maybe you throw some like mica powder at the person and blind them for a minute, <laughs> stab their eye. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a cutting folk. I have no idea. Uh, it also deals with family reproduction. So it contains spells and recipes to increase male potency, increase the odds of becoming pregnant, how to induce labor and ease the pain of childbirth and other incantations sought to calm anger, cure alcoholism, or balance the prevailing hardship by instilling hopes of great wealth. It is really fascinating and really depressing uh, when you look at it. So, um, I have from the intro, I thought this was really fascinating on where kind of the Norwegian black book tradition came from that's also largely recognized as danish as well there was a lot of crossover apparently back then um so it says it is uh probably from 1608 this is from the introduction to this that the author um translated uh, and was written by a lutheran minister and spread both in denmark and norway by the clergy interestingly enough okay it was dedicated to i know right they're all just just you know, I circle jerking it. I don't know. It's so fascinating to me how some of this stuff moves across, especially because, you know, the printing press wasn't that old at the time. So. Yeah, priorities. A lot of them. Yeah, well, and a lot of them were still probably handwriting because printing presses were huge and expensive. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, yeah, the amount of time you would have had to take to, to transcribe. Oh my gosh. I can't even, I can barely write on a sticky note anymore, y'all. Like, <laughs> I type so much. Um, it was dedicated to the famous magician Cyprianus, who around year 300 was the Bishop of Antioch and a Roman Catholic martyr and saint. The Black Book, in its early beginnings, was used by few, if only because the lack of reading abilities at the time. But after a while, it had a larger circulation. It is assumed that at the beginning of the 1800s, some hundred books were in circulation in Norway. They were used by people of widely different social strata, from clergy to wise people, who entirely or partly made a living by helping others. The most extraordinary feature about these books is the almost total lack of advice concerning sickness caused by evil spirits, although Norwegian folklore is usually full of it. The explanation could be that the author lived at a time when the belief that sickness was caused by spirits was beginning to lose its hold. Belief in other evil powers was certainly clear enough. It's just like, oh, shade. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. So I have this copy of the Black Books of Averum, which is so interesting. I'm going to pick a random page and we're going to see... I landed on that random page. Of course I freaking did. Um, that's pretty great, actually. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go to the one that uh, you get the full uh, explanation on the page. So it says to make yourself hard, oh. strong. Yep. Uh, so take a swallow, the bird. And I will uh, footnote the footnote here that says it was thought that the stones inside a swallow's head could be used as a magic ingredient in medicine, like a bazaar, but in the head. Uh, 
Take a swallow. There is a stone in its head. Take the earth from a graveyard and two shillings worth of mercury and carry these ingredients with you. Okay. Make yourself strong. That's it. All right. It's a bird murder. Yeah, bird murder. Just carry okay. it in your pocket. Bird murder. Yep. Um, we're going to continue to murder birds. Excellent. Because to cause sleeplessness... You take the eye from a swallow and throw it in a bed so that whoever lies in it cannot sleep. Okay. That's it. Pretty simple. I was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Simple. I mean, at Weird. least we're not letting all of the parts of the bird go to waste, right? Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, I have some advice on what to uh, do to keep dogs from barking at you. Oh. Yeah. It involves more body parts. Okay. Carry either the heart or the eye of a wolf with you. No dog can bark at you then. Hmm. Ah, uh, righty. Yep. First, you have to kill a yep. wolf. I think if you're afraid of a dog barking at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to... Um, have a little little religion lesson here on how to weaken the poison from a snake. I feel like this is a beginning to a really bad joke, but it's not. This must be very particularly aimed at someone that the writer of this version of the book knew. Oh my god. One of those things, and you, Amy, you're a big fat slut. It's one of those kinds of deals. Like, ah, yes, pray three times, and Amy's a Horrible person. Go over the... Yeah, like, it's really weird. Uh, Jesus and St. Peter walked down a road. Okay. There they met a dead man. Okay. Alrighty. What has killed you, Jesus said. John Klingelman has stabbed me, replied the dead man. Jesus said, stand up and you shall be healed instantly. In the name of the Holy Trinity, recite the Lord's Prayer three times. John Klingelman is an old nickname given to his snake. So you just have to tell, you have to die, and then you have to tell Jesus that a snake killed you. Just hope that he wanders along so you can tell him. And you have to, yeah, but you have to tell him it wasn't a snake, but a John Klingelman. John Klingelman, okay, I'll try to remember that. Because apparently that's code. <laughs> yes, I am a yay, yay, yay. Um... Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty good. Uh, let me, I'm gonna move down and just, all right, let's see where I wind up scrolling to. Oh, we're doing spells. Okay. All right, let's do a spell. So, uh, it's, the title is just, A Spell to be Read Over Salt and Running Water. Yep. Uh, this is to be given to a person upon whom evil has been cast, or who has been bewitched. Perform this incantation on a Thursday evening. Today, which is DNN Day, all over all Christendom, DNN, the Lord's, it must translate weird. Right. Okay. Uh, I read these words with God's power and might and with Jesus Christ's finger. Nope. <laughs> okay. I did, not, I did not read ahead. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Jesus Christ finger. Okay. I point to wherever bewitching has been performed by witches 
using bird or fish bones by the north or the south wind. Okay. There was like a long pause there. By soil or by mountain or water sprite, on purpose or by accident, in or outside, in food or in drink, sitting or lying, riding or driving. <laughs> Basically anywhere. <laughs> a witch cast this this charm spell. Uh, I hold today your liver and lungs, your heart and tongue, your hands and feet, and your cursed heart's roots. You shall never do more harm to any person. I say this with the highest power and might in the name of the Trinity. You shall remit yourself to these words as salt for the running water. Amen. Then say the Lord's Prayer three times. In. I was not ready for that. Um. Yep. Uh, I got nothing. I know. I got nothing either, but it made me laugh. So. <laughs> oh, okay. If This is so specific. If a thief leaves his turd behind him after he has carried out a burglary. Okay. Take glowing live embers and sift them over the turd which was made while saying these words, the devil I send to you because you have stolen from me. But also you shit on my floor. <laughs> there's another one for it. Well, there's another, there's an alternative. Okay. <laughs> there's an, there's an option. B. It just says another one. Oh, I was not ready for the turd magic. <laughs> Uh, I read through some of these, but I missed that one. I didn't do a control F for turd. Uh, <laughs> take the turd that has been left back. I know. Apparently I got to add that into my Jesus Christ. Add that into my routine. Uh, take the turd that has been left behind. Stuff it in an old musket pipe. You know what? I'm going to stop you right there. No one's touching that. <clears throat> You're touching that. Why are we putting it? <laughs> In the gun. You can shoot, shoot at people. So you can shoot it. <laughs> Take yeast or sourdough and place the turd in an environment. <laughs> Why are we letting the mixture rise and ferment? <laughs> to multiply so you can have more shit ammo. Oh my god. You're not supposed to let shit multiply. Why? All right. <laughs> Then place one end of the musket pipe in the fire. Yes, the more you wish to torture the thief, the longer you can let the pipe lie there, only till the thief falls, but spare, however, his life. When you lay the pipe in the fire, say the same words that are stated in the first part, the devil I send to you because you have stolen from me. But you could do the first one and never have to touch the turd. Yeah, this, one's, uh, this one's definitely the lesser option. Wow. So I this, guess if it's... This one is like if you want to do extra torture. If you want to make it extra painful. Leave it in the fire. Yeah, leave yeah, it in yeah. The fire. Okay, okay. I don't... I don't like that. Mm. Um, there is no explanation for that one as to what those words are, but it's, it's a spell to make yourself horny. Okay. But gotcha. the words in it are nonsense! Write the following words and carry them with you. Fetgar, Fatrim, Fobra, Jacomhia, J-O-F-H. That has to translate to something. 
Oh my god! It's just written in tongues. Yeah, something. <laughs> There's is a spell in here for an abortion. Several. Oh, actually, I guess that's yep. handy. Yep. How to endure a bullet? Oh. Hmm. I don't know about that. Um. Just gotta test it out. You're gonna test it out and see if it stops the bullet. You know. I can't go wrong. Did that say what I thought it was? Oh, okay. Fantastic. Um, so that lice shall not thrive on you. Okay. Fair. Take a human bone from a graveyard and sew it into your clothes. But don't take the bone on Tycho Brahe days. So Tycho Brahe was a Danish astronomer. Um calculated the days for the Holy Roman Emperor Rudolph II of Prague. There we go. Thank you, footnote. Yep. Just just don't take human bones on this guy's holiday already. On that guy's holiday that I don't know what that is. Um, Oh, for a girl who usually has intercourse and is not with child. If you want your woman to be pregnant, wow, okay, and you allow her that, oh, great, even better. Um, nonchalantly and jokingly hit her three times on the back of the skirt using a stick or cane, which is a worm, which has used to beat a worm to death. What? And it says probatum at the end, and probatum is a word that means proven. It means that the spell has been tried successfully. You beat a worm to death with a stick, and then you hit your girlfriend's skirts. I think they mostly, yeah, they're mostly like, just like tap her three times, you know. What the hell? This is incredible. This is incredible. I mean, I think I've heard crazy yeah. fertility this... rituals. But... Yeah, but this is, this is nuts. So you can actually, you can go through this PDF. It's available online. Um, we'll have the link. There's diagrams on how to put the eye out of a thief instead of just like poke your thumb in there you can reach him from far away apparently you need a, you need a uh, copper nail that has been forged on a sunday morning <laughs> before the sun goes up that's too early that. for sunday it's too early for sunday that is true um yeah mm-hmm. i yeah, yeah. yeah. i yeah. yeah it is it is full of shenanigans this thing it is really interesting there's a, a documentation of a, a witch trial in 1625 with some like really creepy diagrams in it um <laughs> it is really interesting and there is an index uh in the back with a list of the incantations what you where you'll find so if you're like kind of like scrolling through like i did to kind of look i did not see you know I missed the how to make butter thick spell, but that exists. You? That sounds gross. I'm real cur- I'm real I'm real curious though. <laughs> hold on, it's on page fifty-five. Hold on, hold on. When you're churning, won't make butter. Throw a piece of silver into the butter churn, even if it's nothing but two a silver or two shilling. Observe silver has a strong binding power. It's like some alchemy shit. That's it. Yeah. That's cool. I wonder if that actually scientifically works. I can't, I don't know how it would work, but I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the black book of 
Averum. Um, this like weird Cyprian style uh Norwegian um cunning folk book. So yeah. Okay, I love it. Uh when you go into yep, when you go into of course the 17th century, you have some being tried and punished for the what they called superstition, not witchcraft, which I thought was an interesting splitting of hairs. Um, supernatural illnesses and cures were not looked upon or not looked down upon by religion for a long time since it was a firmly held belief that witches were often the causes of these illnesses. So the church would praise the work of the cunning folk and then it was like, oh, okay, you're not witches. You're helping get rid of these curses like we talked about before. But it's hard to discount the notion that the church understood what we had mentioned, like how deeply integrated the cunning folk were in their communities mm. way before any form of Christianity took hold. So if you were charged for superstition, you were being accused of dabbling with demons, not full on witchcraft close enough to make the church want to throw you in a dungeon or make you want to run the gauntlet that we'll talk about here in a second, but not so much that like they would, because you would have a, a hard time convincing common folk that the person who has birthed all your children and healed your broken bones is a witch. Yeah. They were that integrated in the community. So the church had to find some real fine line there for them to, to put these charges together. So we're going to talk about running the gauntlet, which is kind of what you would picture from like a movie. Um, someone runs between two rows of soldiers who have batons or sticks and you get beat as you run through. Um, this was a real punishment. So there was a case um, that I wanted to point out in the 1670s of this wise man, Johann Erickson of Nutby, who was sentenced to seven gauntlet runs for superstition, quote unquote. Right? Not witchcraft. And then he was sentenced to it again in the 1680s for nine runs through the gauntlet. Um, Brita Bjorn of Gotland said in court that she learned to heal the sick when she spent time in the underworld. And she was sentenced to prison terms in both 1722 and 1737. Um, the punishment that was et out by... Uh, the whoever was in charge at the time, the nobility, to these two people, uh, these two cunning folks seem to only have the opposite effect that they intended, which I was like, eh -huh. um, Erickson, the first guy, said that his clients were coming to him in greater numbers after the rulings against him and that he would be forced to hide if he was to obey the court and refrain from his practice. And in the Bjorn case, the vicar complained that the people throughout the county or the country came to seek this woman's help still and relied on her as a god after her first sentence, which is, I'm sure, what pissed them off because they were going to her and not the church. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. It's it's not the brutal kind of thing that we think about when it comes to witchcraft, witchcraft since the church was running this real fine line. Like, we can't drown them, we can't hang them, we can't burn them, because if we do permanent harm, we're going to piss off the common folk, but we need to get people to come to us more than to go to old Johan down the street. You have to start small. Because we need to... 
Yeah, we need mm-hmm. to convince people that if you pray hard enough, your boil will go away, even though Johan has, maybe has a proven method on how to, you know, make boils go away and make your butter churn thicker. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I'll just, we're the answer to everything. But as we know, when someone says that, we usually look at them like a cult. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and that's where everyone clicks the episode off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if people don't get us by now, you wandered into the wrong bar. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to round out. So after running the gauntlet, you know, we have these cunning folk who are now starting to be tried for superstition. We have the church honing in on things that used to be handled by the local healer. And we still have, even up through the early 1900s, cunning folk gaining fame in Scandinavia, particularly in Norway. Norway had its own really strong attachment to their cunning folk uh, and the customs and the treatments that were set up by Norwegian cunning folk persisted all that time. And then uh, largely because there were so many rural places up there that just had no access to doctors or to hospitals. And unfortunately, a lot of those folk traditions that relied on for so long then very quickly died away after Norwegians migrated uh, away from their homeland. They were going to doctors more. We see something like this happen also when migrants come to the Americas around the same time, around the age of industrialization, right? We have people coming over, they're taking jobs in a factory or in a shipyard and they're just trying to deal with day-to-day survival but they have technically kind of access to better more modern and i say this with like i say better but you know butchery was still butchery even in the age of industrialization um they have access to all of these newfangled medical technologies so they try to uphold the customs but it just doesn't it doesn't stick anymore. Um, there was even documentation of specifically Norwegian migrants to the Americas around the 1900s, and they held on to their like cunning folkways a little bit longer, but by the 1920s, it was just all but gone. So it was really interesting, and I only briefly like poked at it, but I thought it was a, a fascinating little look at what we see so often, especially in like fantasy fiction or movies, right? The healer, you know, the healing wise woman or whatever. And everyone either thinks she's a witch or she has the answer to everything. Those people existed. They existed for hundreds, thousands of years. If we look at, you know, how to how to deal with a thief, you poke their eye out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. You got that one. Yeah. So I'll do a second part. I want to look a little bit more at some of the Spanish cunning folk. They had a very different way how they they dealt with their cunning folk and, and kind of their role. Um, and then I also had what I have. And then I had a little bit on England, too, what I could find. A lot of it is from that paper that I quoted in the beginning, which I did download. I did download it from JSTOR for free. I did not steal it from anywhere. Um, but it is a, a really interesting kind of look at this case of the death of the fifth Earl of Derby and how that changed how people viewed cunning folk in that certain part of England. So, yeah. Very interesting. 
Yeah. I look forward to hearing more. Heck yeah. Excellent. All right. Steph. Good Steph. Did it? Beef turds. Right, turds, dicks, just all the body things tonight. Turds and dicks and turds and dicks. <laughs> I'm still not over though. Why are you touching the turd? Just no. Why? No. Why is there even a turd to begin with? I guess adding insult. Is that a common thing? Like... This is what I need to. I'm gonna steal from yeah. you, and then I'm going to shit on your floor. Yeah, that, like. Uh... Yeah, and yeah. Adding insult to injury. <laughs> yeah, like what Kayla said, exactly. I'm going like, why? I read that a few times when I was, and sorry, I was losing my place. I apparently wrote it. I don't know if I wrote that in the middle of a migrant <laughs> or what happened, but uh, the words that did not make sense for there for a little while. I think it's because I was so busy trying to like follow the Cyprianus thing down its weird little trail. And like got turned because it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you call it a Bible, but what version is it? <laughs> you know, but it's even more like nuanced than that. I I have no idea. Anyways, what are we what are we calling this? Um This episode Ooh, is sex, magic, and yacht parties. <laughs> That's it for this week. Next week is a mystery because we're recording it this weekend. As always, pictures and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at thehumanexception. Have a story you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong or you just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And if you want to get on the fun, come join us in our Discord server. A link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend. Mm-hmm.